the week in agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Several feet of water. One of the worst affected was Henry Ward from Short Ferry. I think I'm down £80,000. Year. And that isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And there's a little bit of good news this week from Westminster. This is um, hugely welcome news. Uh, it puts the Trade and Agriculture Commission on a, a proper statutory footing. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Good morning. Hope you're doing OK back under lockdown. Today's the final day of my two-week self-isolation with my wife having tested positive. Thankfully, she's getting back to normal and no symptoms for me. Good job I can work from home. On the subject of coronavirus, there's been around 50 cases reported this week at Lincolnshire's Moy Park, with the company saying that those affected are self-isolating on full pay and they're doing all they can to keep the virus out of their facilities and prevent its spread. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with the media stories of turkeys being bred to be smaller this year, as there may be fewer and smaller family gatherings this Christmas. Let's hear from Philip Mowbray at TT Turkeys. Good morning, Philip. Is there any truth in this? Good morning. No, um, I know where this has come from. It's come from people thinking that we are going to be hopefully allowed to have six people and therefore everybody's going to want a small turkey. But uh, we place our orders for chicks in February for placement for this coming Christmas. Certainly from my order book, we're very, very weighty at the moment. People are still wanting the centrepiece for their special Christmas Day lunch. I mean, is it even possible to breed smaller turkeys to order? There are different breeds of turkeys produce different sized table birds. So our smallest is the Devonshire bronze turkey, and that will provide a table bird of around 10 or 11 pounds in weight. So all it is is in in the new year, when we look at what we sold the year before, we think, right, well, we want so many Norfolk Blacks, we want so many Devonshire Bronze, and we make our decision on last year's order book. So once you've got the chicks, is there much you can do to, to breed them to a certain size by the time we get towards Christmas? No, no, not at all. You, uh, you care for them and look after them and keep them well-fed and happy because we need those birds to be happy to reach full maturity. And on our table birds, when they hit full maturity, they start to put down the all-important fat in the back, which keeps them so moist come cooking time. So it really, the size of the bird is all down to the breed, is it? That is correct. Size is all down to breed. There's no restricting of feed or poppycock that we keep hearing in the news and that we're, we're withholding feed from our turkeys. If you stress a bird, by not giving it ample food, time outside, clean water, soft straw to nestle down at night in, you don't provide the quality end product. It's good to hear that these stories are are nonsense and the birds are being treated uh, properly. Philip Mowbray of TT Turkeys, have a happy Christmas. Might be a little bit early for that, but hope it's good for you and your family. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning.
You're very welcome, Steve. All the very best. We've updated you over the months with the often disappointing developments in the progress of the Agriculture Bill through Parliament. This week, a little good news, with the Trade and Agriculture Commission being given statutory powers. Stuart Roberts from the NFU, this is pretty much what you've been looking for, isn't it? Yeah, look, this is um, hugely welcome news. Uh, It puts the Trade and Agriculture Commission on a a proper statutory footing. Uh, It now gives some, some real scrutiny around future trade deals that wasn't there previously and, and we are very pleased with uh, with the outcome. So the Trade and Agriculture Commission will be doing exactly what? If, if we put together a deal with, let's say, America, although there will be others, they're going to take a look at that deal, are they? Correct. So they will be taking a look at that deal. They will be uh, issuing a report on the uh, animal welfare and agriculture impact for that trade deal. That will go before Parliament. And when you and I last spoke, I think, Steve, we talked about the importance of parliamentary scrutiny around future trade deals. Uh, And Parliament will now have that report from the Trade and Agriculture Commission uh, before it can then start to debate trade deals. And and this is a a, a good step forward, not only for for agriculture and standards, but also actually for transparency and democracy in, in trade deals. It's nice to be reporting something positive, isn't it, for a change? (laughs) Stuart, many thanks for joining us again. Always a pleasure, Steve. One year ago Monday, the fields of the area looked very different. Most were under many feet of water, crops, property and livelihoods very badly affected, some taking months to get back to normal. Suffering more than most was Henry Ward. The pictures of his short ferry farm looking like a lake as Barlings O breached will stay in the memory for a long time. Henry joins us now. What's the situation a year on, Henry? I'm sat in the tractor with the drill on, drilling a fi- this field of winter wheat in the same field where the river bank actually burst. So it's quite a coincidence that we're talking today. And I'm looking across now and I can see the Environment Agency working on the river bank. And so they're importing clay onto the site and they're claying up the big hole that was left behind in the riverbank basically so they're plugging plugging the gap properly and, and building it up with clay now you can never say never again but is that likely to prevent a recurrence of this i i hope so i have to say they are doing a good job of this repair um that they're doing at the minute but the thing that concerns me is the riverbank is only as strong as its weakest pot like a chain basically um, so, you know, there's a long stretch of riverbank that surrounds this farm here. It'll not breach again there. I could put a lot of money on that, but not saying it, it won't go in another spot in years to come, but mm. I sincerely hope not. No. How much does this cost you, Henry? Doing a bit of reckoning up and ballpark figures, I think I'm down £80,000 this year. So, And that isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't a very good crop, but I did manage to get some sort of a crop in the ground to to harvest and sell. But yeah, so I think I'm down 80,000. Can you get any of that back, insurance or anything like that? So no, we we haven't got any insurance cover. What I have managed to get is the um, £25,000 grant that the government came out with, the Farming Recovery Fund. Um, So that's obviously helped, but that obviously leaves a fair shortfall for me to make up but you know i'm just trying to do my best and batten down the hatches and and, you know i'm here drilling now and hoping that next year we get some good crops and start to go forward the joys of being a farmer you're you're taking this very very sort of sanguine and very realistically which i suppose is all you can do really isn't it 
everyone's had a tough year and I know I was flooded but everyone has had a really tough year in agriculture well not only everyone has but farming's not been great this year but um, I'm just hoping that we're getting a bit of a fresh start this time we're getting some crops in the ground in, in, in good conditions and there we go you know things are better going forward and what I would say is that waterways like this river here the emphasis has got to be on just basic maintenance which frankly isn't been done we will be here again unfortunately or maybe not on this farm but somewhere else yeah it's mixing metaphors but let's just hope lightning doesn't strike uh, twice in the same place or similar place really we don't want that again henry thanks ever so much for your time appreciate you joining us on the farming program this morning no thank you for having me sean morning it's hard to believe it's been a year isn't it Yes, morning, Steve. Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary what 12 months can do, isn't it? I was walking a block of land out near the banks of the River Witham, about 450-acre block of winter wheat. It's all between one and three leaves. It's all had its pre-em. It's all up in rows. There's nothing missing. It looked an absolute picture. No slugs. Absolutely covered in a, a, a silken sheen of the gossamer threads from hundreds of thousands of money spiders who are all doing their job predating against the aphids which may or may not be in there and 12 months ago that whole block of land was between 5 and 15 feet underwater and it was for the entire winter and much of it didn't get cropped at all so we can only pray that the next 12 months is the polar opposite of what we've just gone through Um, so a wet start to November for me six and a half mil of rain in the last seven days but more importantly the first frost of the season it dipped below freezing Tuesday night into Wednesday and the car was ice solid when I went out at half six Wednesday morning. But you know what they say, if November ice will bear a duck, the rest of the winter will be slush and muck. Well, there was no way a duck could be born on that ice. So we move on and we hope that this year ends with something that resembles a winter because last year went spring, summer, autumn, spring. We need that hard winter to kill off these bugs and hold the diseases and harden the crops and get us into some sort of order for what should, I hope, be a bumper harvest 2021. Now, these first frosts are an important thing to respect. Not everybody got that frost. So if you're yet to get this first frost, be very, very careful spraying anything around it. Um, All crops, but all seed rates slightly less so than cereals. But particularly if you're putting complex tank mixtures on or on cereals, HBNs, if anything's got bromoxenil in, for example, like Cyclops, because the bromoxenils and the HBN act like a hormone and that's where you tend to get more crop distortion. So the first frost will strip that wax layer off the outside of the leaf and you have to rebuild that wax before the crop is safe enough for you to then go in with complicated mixtures which are all full of surfactants and stickers and wetters and extenders all of which are designed to act on the surface of the leaf to carry the herbicide the fungicide the insecticide etc into the plant and that's where you get scorched if you haven't rebuilt that wax so 36 hours clear of the first frost quite important that if you get a frost on the monday night no frost on the tuesday night you could spray on the Wednesday that one night clear will just be enough to start to rebuild the lipid layer the wax layer thereafter just stop spraying by about half past three if there's one forecast and never apply anything onto a frosted crop other than um, propizamide on oilseed rate you should never apply anything else onto a frosted crop now I understand very well that opportunities are few and far between this time of year so obviously your preems can go on in those dodgy conditions otherwise when it comes to any post-em herbicides, etc., just observe those rules about the frosty situation. You want a dryish and drying leaf for most herbicides. If you can walk in a field and see your footprints, it's way too wet 
to um, to go out and spray but it does depend upon the target Atlantis needs a really dry black grass leaf some of the broadleaf weeds are quite hairy so they don't need to be quite as dry so it's likely you're only going to get one or two tank loads in a day once it's dry enough to start at about midday the dew will start to come down at about half three four o'clock so speak to your advisor and just keep crop safety and efficacy firmly in your sight aphids a lot easier to find from Wednesday onwards really as the wind dropped and the sun came out it warmed up but insecticides should only be applied if they're necessary and never as a routine so the second generation of bird cherry oak rose grain grain aphid they're the ones that carry BYDV in their saliva remember your 170 growing day degrees from emergence that is when those wingless second generation aphids will be in the crop get on your hands and knees and look for them just because you hit 170 growing day degrees it doesn't mean you go out and spray a pyrethroid get on your hands and knees and look for them because i'm still in the main finding dozens of times more spiders than i am aphids they all predate on the aphids so be sure there's a need to spray that pyrethroid which to be fair might be of little use anyway in a bad year if you remember 2011 when the autumn applications of pyrethroids did very little at all on the hotspots against BYDV. So those little spiders that are out there are going to do far more good and they'll be far more reliable in controlling the aphids that they find. The odd fleck of yellow rust popping up, the odd pustule and mildew in wheat and in barley, but the winter will deal with that. No point to go out and put a fungicide on. Waste of time, waste of money at this time of year. Yellow cereal fly, opomizer, frit fly, you can find their dead hearts about too in the late September drill crop. Um, any adults still in the field, if you apply a pyrethroid, will be controlled, but the larvae which are in the crop already, they won't be controlled, and you're far better to get the rolls out and the early nitrogen on in the spring, that'll do more good. Allseed rate, foamer, light leaf spot, definitely foamer increasing, more simple to find in the field. Remember to pick the right tool for the job when it comes to fungicides um, and it's still far too warm to put propizomide on so don't waste your time going out there just yet winter beans we're drilling as conditions allow remember to get pre-ems on as pre-ems on winter beans to minimize any risk of crop damage propizomide for grassy situations the later the better so target your field to get it on just before the beans get much closer than 15 to 20 mil from emerging. Drill them in at 75 mil. That gives you time for it to be cold enough for the curb to work. Clomazone works really well on cleavers and broadleaf weeds. Nirvana works very well on brassica weeds. And remember, we haven't got that many options post-em for broadleaf weed control or problem grass weed control so do it pre-em if you can and sugar beet continues to disappoint not just the yields and the sugar content and 15 loads um, nine loads rather in succession being allocated a rogue 15 percent dirt tear after the first 15 had had less than two percent but also the letter that's been sent out to growers which seems to be a forewarning to them that british sugar are quite within their rights to request full contract tonnages um, are adhered to and that although they haven't done so before they do reserve a legal right to enforce those legally binding contracts that you've all signed and retain the right to seek financial compensation for shortfalls in delivered tonnages so from what I'm seeing, there's not many growers out there that are going to make quota this year, thanks to the virus, the wettest winter on record, the wettest February on record, the driest and hottest March, April and May on record. Add to that the poorest harvest we've had since 2012 on all the other crops. And for British sugar to threaten seeking financial compensation for a shortfall, which is completely out of the hands of the growers, I think is insensitive at best and hugely callous at worst. So anyway, we move on. Let's see what the next seven days bring. Thanks, Sean. Although British Sugar declined my invitation for someone to come on the programme, they did send this statement from Peter Watson, Agriculture Director. 
It's been a difficult year for the sugar beet crop, with challenging weather conditions and virus yellows significantly affecting yields. We want to assure growers that we will not be applying contract performance rules to the 2020 crop, nor will this year's yield performance count towards the five-year averages for next year's virus yellow assurance scheme. We also want to share our continued thanks with all our growers, contractors, hauliers and industry partners for their hard work and support in keeping our factories supplied during the first few weeks of the campaign. We encourage anybody experiencing difficulties with their crop to speak to their British Sugar contract manager who's always available to provide support. Fine. Good. But it does beg the question, why send the first email, which will have worried many growers, and then, when pressed, say you're not going to apply the rules anyway? Sam Watson-Jones, founder of the Small Robot Company, joins us once again. Sam, can we talk about the Farm Ambition Programme? We're talking about change here, aren't we? Change not just in technology, but in practices, attitudes, outlook, almost a change for survival. Yeah, I think so. I think that... There is a mindset shift that needs to happen in farming, um, which is why we created the program. So, so just to explain, uh, Farm Ambition is a coaching program that we that we run for for farmers. It's separate to to the robotic side, although obviously we talk about we talk about small robot company and we talk about the future of technology. But it is a standalone thing where we we talk to farmers about two two things really. We're we're doing, first of all, I suppose, a horizon scanning piece for them. So we're saying, right, these are the technologies that are coming into farming, but also these are the technologies that are in the world but have not yet had an impact on farming. And this is what we think the impact of these technologies are going to be on farming, on, on farms and on, on, on the farming industry. And then the second thing, so that's sort of looking outwards. And the second part is looking inwards. And it is physically removing the, farm, the farmer from their farm so, and again, we can't do this at the moment, but getting everyone together uh, in, in a room to think about what they want the future of their farm to look like. And that sounds like a simple thing, but it's very you know, often a question that farmers have not asked themselves. Um, because as a farmer, the farm asks things of you, but you very rarely get the opportunity to ask things of the farm, if that makes sense. So, you know, I'm a fourth generation farmer, um, there's there's a role for me you know that has always been a role for me here's your here's your here's, here's your slot as, as the farmer's son these are the things you have to do this is the sort of stuff that a farmer's son does so the second part of the program is is really looking inward so it's about uh it's about the farmer asking themselves what they what they want um for the future of their farm which sounds strange but actually it's something that farmers don't get to 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 ask themselves um very often so one of the things we do is we give farmers the opportunity to to get off the farm and to think about what they want the future to to look like. Um, what are their ambitions for themselves? What are their ambitions for their for their family? Um, what are the things that they are uniquely good at? Um, and 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 that is also a question that farmers don't really don't really ask themselves very much, because again, it's kind of this is your role and these are the things you have to do um, uh, as, as a farmer. Well, we're saying, well, actually, maybe it doesn't always have to be that way. Maybe you can, maybe you can shape the, the, the future of your business um, as, you, as you want to. And the relevance of how that kind of fits in with, with Small Robot Company is that our biggest commercial challenge and our biggest competitor, if you like, is not 
our biggest competitor is not uh, you know another robotics company doing exactly what we're doing it's the farmer doing what they've always done it's that it's what we talked about about you know on a, on a family farm you're in a sort of a, a cyclical pattern and it's very easy to just do what you've always done and you go to a conference and learn something new but actually when you get back you when it really comes to it you kind of do what you've always done that's our that's our biggest challenge that mindset that do what i've always done keep my head down work hard and it'll all be fine and so farm ambition is trying to tackle that head on and say maybe for the first time in farming your future can be whatever you want it to be and actually technology can support you in in getting there um and these there are new technologies coming in but they are just tools they're not things that are going to take over the farm they're just tools the vision the direction um the strategy will always be human and and you as a human being managing your farm you are in charge of that and and so by doing the farm ambition uh, the farm ambition blueprint we call it uh that gives farmers the opportunity to really clarify what their vision is so that they can go back into their businesses with more confidence direction and more clarity around um, what these techno- technologies are um, that, that, that can help them to get there. In the final part of my chat with Sam, we'll ask what's next for the small robot company and farming in general. And that will be on next Sunday's farming programme. If, in the meantime, you want to know more about the Farm Ambition programme from Sam, have a look at smallrobotcompany.com. Back to the present now on the market report from Openfield's Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Good morning, Steve. A fresh round of coronavirus lockdowns cast a shadow over what had been a solid recovery across a wide spectrum of markets. Add this to the US presidential election and Brexit negotiations and continued volatility was almost assured. After initial trading lower at the start of the week, influenced by weakened macro markets, the wheat market recovered and fundamentally nothing had changed. Notably, demand for major importers who are building stocks in these uncertain times was Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Syria, Pakistan, Turkey, Jordan, Tunisia, amongst others, are all launching tenders. Main source of supply is Russia and the Ukraine, and they are also trying to balance their own export sales amongst the record domestic prices, which are a major cause for concern to the domestic processors, with the likelihood that quotas will be officially imposed in not the too distant future. Talk that China would ban imports from Australia does displace their wheat into the alternative destinations, but also increasing French wheat exports to China, which is additional demand, and the EU probably doesn't need this. The EU is facing a shortage of feed grains and it is becoming increasingly difficult to see where they're going to source their maize from and should result in having more feed wheat. The sharp reduction in Ukraine maize crop, who last year supplied 60% of the EU maize imports, a smaller EU maize crop than was initially forecast. South American maize not available until mid-2021 and US maize largely excluded in the EU on GM grounds and attracting a 25% Trump tax and you can see the problem and this explains the sharp rise in maize prices. Next week the USDA will deliver their latest global supply and demand with major focus on their maize where there is room for production reductions in the US, Ukraine and EU and increased exports in the US. The big question is, are they going to increase their Chinese maize import number, which against a 7 million metric tonne, despite the general consensus, that could be at least 10 million metric tonne too low. 
Looking at malting barley, UK malting barley usage figures released by the AHDB today showed reduced consumption from February and beyond when compared to last year. Demand started to fall away last February, March and hospitality restrictions began, but we have been showing signs of recovery over the recent months. However, forward malting barley demand is bound to suffer due to a further period of lockdown. This will continue to put pressure on malting premiums. Limited news on all seed rope this week. Orseed rope continues to look good in the Lincolnshire area so far with limited flea beetle damage. Long may this last. Prices remain high for old crops, settling around the £350 mark for the new year. Looking at prices this week then for feed wheat, November 188 to 190. February 189 to 191. May 192 to 194. And November 21, 154 to 156. Limited carry there on old crop markets. Milling premiums for Group 1s are currently 20 to £22. Oilseed rate for November is 344 to 346 February 349 to 351 And the same price looking forward to May at 349 to 351 Feed barley for November is 134 to 136 Moving forward to February at 138 to 140 And May 140 to 142 November 21 is 130 to 132. And malting premiums are the same as last week, settling at £12 for a max 185 and £20 for a max 165. Many thanks as ever, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. OK, let's see if it's going to be another wet one. Well, there will be some rain, mostly on Monday and Tuesday. Otherwise, it looks to be a calmer week with pressures around normal. Some light rain this morning, calm, mostly easterly breezes and highs of 11 Celsius this afternoon. Three to four mil of rain expected for Monday. Winds from the southeast at about 12 miles per hour, mostly cloudy with highs of 14 Celsius. Tuesday sees a bit less rain, but it will be mostly cloudy. Wind from the south to southwest in single figures and highs of 12 Celsius. The rest of the week looks to be dry with quite a lot of cloud cover, but with some sunny spells on Thursday. The wind stays mainly southerly at around 10 to 12 miles per hour. Daytime temperatures 10 or 11 Celsius. Overnight lows not really dipping below 6 or 7 this week. Next week on The Farming Programme, the final part of my chat with Sam Watson-Jones, founder of The Small Robot Company, plus The Week in Agriculture. I'm Steve Orchard. Till then, stay safe, stay positive and have a good farming week.